and welcome to the Extra Credits Podcast, where we search for meaning in your favorite movies and shows. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Trey. And today we are diving deep into the upside down into Stranger Things again, season four. Let's go. Volume two just dropped on July 1st, and we are so excited to talk about all things episode eight and nine. So make sure you've watched them. We are going into spoilers. And if you haven't already listened to our podcast on season four, volume one, which was awesome. Season four is my favorite season of Stranger Things so far. We go into all the character arcs that we love, ones that we don't. Also, a lot of the really cool themes and deeper themes that the Duffer brothers decided to go into in season four. So definitely go back on our feed, check that out first. Even if you're already done with the whole show, it'll just be like helpful for knowing how we think about season four. But if you're here for volume two content, we gotcha. Um, Let's do it. Before we do, quick plug. Yes. For all you listeners out there that have been on this journey with me and Kelsey through Stranger Things or other podcasts, we appreciate you. Yes. Seriously. Thank you. So we're public school teachers. That's our main job. This is our hobby, but it's turning into something bigger. All we need from you all who have been listening to us all this time and maybe some new listeners, welcome, is to follow us on Apple or Spotify or wherever wherever you get your podcasts. And then if you can, please review us on Apple. It'll help us build our community and have a ton more fun. Yeah. And we also would love to hear from you, like what you like, what you'd like to see us do pods on. We've already had some really cool feedback on different shows that you would like us to review or movies that you'd like us to review. And ultimately, like that's the whole reason that we're doing this is to build a community with movie lovers and just, I guess, story lovers um, like we like to talk about, too. Yeah. All right. Let's jump in. Volume two. Okay, I'm so excited. All right. So I think the first thing that I I have to say, obviously spoilers. Okay. Just one more time for everyone. I wish we had like a bell to go off. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, First, I got to say, we have to stop doing this to ourselves. Like just as a collective internet being, (laughs) we have to stop throwing all these crazy theories into the mix that I feel like showrunners are not going to be thinking of. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like, I I couldn't decide if after watching part two, if I was underwhelmed because I didn't have the whole cast die, like, and (laughs) because I was just so into all these crazy theories that could have happened, uh, or if there were some storylines that were unresolved, which I think that's the more fair part. There were some themes that were so strong in volume one that feel like they weren't fully tied and, and, dealt with or um, that they were re-resolved like done twice <laughs> yeah it felt like there was some interesting editing going on which was weird because there was there were such long episodes but um ultimately re-watching it this morning in pieces to look at like the best scenes I did really like part two still great I mean volume one was like unbeatable yeah yeah I feel like that's top tier there was no way volume two could hit those marks and I think you're right people did build it up online I will say though the Duffer Brothers and Netflix alike I think have been talking about volume two as if it's some kind of Game of Thrones like moment and it definitely wasn't like that even if it was for like one or two characters yeah I guess they did so like the day before we watched it we went off social because we weren't able to watch it right when it came out And I was nervous that it was going to get spoiled. But right before I deleted my apps, I think it may have been Instagram, but I saw something where it was Netflix that posted it and it said, no one's safe. 
on a billboard <laughs> and I was like wait is no one safe like are they contributing to this like theory you know so now tornado? When, when we know Netflix says no one is safe everyone is safe except actually everyone's safe. Eddie and Max yeah yes. I guess that's <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. Let, let's go ahead and get into it. So I feel like season four, part one was more thematically based. Like it, the themes are really driving the story and there were huge character arcs kind of like coming back to what we love most about Stranger Things, which is it's mm-hmm. all about these characters and what they're going through and their friendship. Yeah. Coming of age. For, yeah. For season four, part two, I feel like it was more plot based because it's at the end of the season. It's kind of weird. It's in these two segments, Mm -hmm. but that's how I want to look at this one while we're going through the pod, because these are like mega two episodes. So as I was going through, I was like, Oh, I feel like the Duffer brothers want us to see this like scene by scene. Like here's Brenner's like end of a character arc or here's, you know, whatever. So let's talk about Papa. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So this is the episode that I feel like everyone's been waiting for, uh, which everyone is thinking that Papa is going to die in this episode, which spoiler, obviously you've already watched, you know, it happened. So I guess I'll stop saying spoiler. Papa got bodied. Yes, he did. Uh, which we'll talk about. It happened differently than I thought it was going to happen in episode Papa. So, okay. We start at the beginning of this episode with Nancy and Vecna's curse. So this is where we ended volume one. And this is where all of the fan theories went wild. Is Nancy going to die? Mm-hmm. Is Steve going to save Nancy? And then Nancy's going to die. Yep. Are they going to find music for Nancy? And then Eddie's going to play the guitar and then save Nancy. And there is so much going on with just this kind of one scene. It was so funny to see it pick up right where it left off. Nancy's in Vecna's curse and then have it be over so quickly. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Oh, this is probably not going to, nothing's going to happen from the theories that I have been thinking about or have seen on the internet. Do you think when making the show, the Duffer brothers knew that fans were going to be taking all those theories I guess out on everyone. Like they were like, Hey, this is what I think. I think Steve's going to die. Hey, this is what I think. Nancy's going to die. Do you think they knew that that was going to happen leading up to that? Well, I, I do think that separating it into two pieces has shown that that's going to happen. I don't know if it was their choice to make it into two separate parts or if it was a Netflix decision, kind of like they did with Ozark. Yeah. So I feel like that's just kind of the, you know, unfortunate part of, of the waiting corporate overlords. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of waiting for uh, a month to see something. And also because we do get deaths and stranger things. Sometimes I wish there are like more stakes, um, in, in certain parts of it, but I, I do think like we have enough danger. Like we ha- got really big, mm-hmm. real horror this season, um, that sort of didn't continue into the, the second season now that we already like know what Vecna looks like. Um, but I mean, there were some really cool, I think, like 80s horror fun vibes, like in this scene right here when Nancy's in Vecna's curse, she's going through his old memories. And before at the, you know, volume one last episode, we went through the Creel house. And now starting in this episode, she's in Hawkins lab and she is in the scene where Eleven's memory was where all the kids were like body there's you know blood all over the walls Mm -hmm. and then we have this great horror shot where it goes to black after Nancy's trying to break out of Hawkins lab and she is tied to the chair where Dr. Brenner tattooed uh number one and she's wrapped up in the vine so that was like a cool fun horror you know uh, theme and images that we keep seeing. 
And then Vecna tells her her plan, right? And we got the funny, <laughs> also like on the right side up of Hawkins, Robin and everyone else frantically looking for music in Eddie's room. And Eddie's <laughs> this like, is music. this is music. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. And then cut and then scene and no one died. You know, Nancy came back. Yeah, that's where I think when you said, do we feel like underwhelmed a little bit? Like when saying that, we don't want to see anybody die right. at all. But it is weird having this whole month build up the theories like how we've been talking about. But it, I did feel like it was nice to see everybody safe and sound. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah. And then we have Hopper, Joyce, Murray, Enzo, and Yuri who are trying to break out of the prison. And this is probably when I was rewatching it today for the scenes. This is the only one that I kind of watched again to see uh, the different experiments that the Russians were doing because mm-hmm. they go into the the door where they hear the Demogorgon and find he's like, or the Demogorgon's like split open. They're doing surgery on it. Kind of sad, Loki. Yeah, it, I, it was interestingly. Yeah, I, I was feeling bad for the the Demogorgon that if they just unstrapped in a second would eat Hopper's face. But yeah. <laughs> uh, they were like experimenting on it, What, which is what I think we were supposed to understand to make a super weapon. Yeah. Um, so they had like demodogs, demogorgons, uh, in these kind of alien, you know, big test tubes. They look like xenomorphs in test tubes. Yeah, exactly. I think one actually really literally looked like alien. It had the back part of, I would have never noticed that unless you said that. Yeah. Yeah, It was really cool. Everybody go check that out again. Yeah. Replay that scene. And then they also had the mind flare in this glass box, which they kept calling particles. And it took me the longest time to figure out that the particles were the mind flare. Wait, was that what that was? Yeah. That was the mind flare? It was a piece of it. I just missed that completely. I was, I just thought that was a new like sentient being from the upside down. So the reason that I noticed is because later on when they show one kind of harnessing oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the particles, I guess they're, you know, reframing it or rewriting it as in this uh, volume two, mm-hmm. when he was shaping them, it looked the same. It looked like this like tornado. And so they, I guess they had a piece of it in Russia gotcha. and Joyce just call, kept calling it the particles because I guess they didn't know what else to call it. Like they didn't want to call it the mind flare. I don't know. Or what is it called in fantastic beasts? Cause that's what it reminded us. Oh of. yeah. It did look like an, uh, obscurial, obscurial. like, yeah. yeah. Uh, which makes sense. Cause it goes into, uh, we see it go into will, which is interesting oh, yeah. in previous seasons. So, but it's, it's interesting cause they basically find these pieces uh, that makes sense about why they're in Russia finally. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> because I wish they would have done that actually in part one, just because it would have given me a little bit more buy-in in part one where I was like, okay, this is why they're here. They're going to help their kids instead of like, okay, Joyce is just leaving so the kids can be on their own. Right. Yeah. And then, so then Eleven wakes up from her memory in Nina and she realizes she actually didn't, you know, like kill everyone. It was actually Henry slash one slash Vecna <laughs> and she regains her powers and the California crew is still trying to find her at Fort Nina is what I'm calling it from Susie's coordinates. And I hope that we get more Susie in season five. I think the Duffer brothers are really listening to the fans. I bet there's some scene on the cutting room floor of Dustin seeing Susie again this season. Oh my God. That would be beautiful. I I love that idea of her coming to save Hawkins. Like she has this like secret with her whole family. They have like a huge like bus. They come on. That'd be great. Yeah. That would be awesome. Kind of like captain fantastic. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then Argyle, (laughs) he finds out that surfer boy pizza is extending their franchise to Nevada. And he goes, 
I think best line probably in volume two, watch out dominoes. <laughs> dominoes are going to fall. <laughs> he has so many of those. We Can we shout out Argyle real quick? Yeah. Because he has been so, I was really nervous when I saw him originally this season because of Booksmart. It seemed like he was playing a very similar character, but he's fit in seamlessly and he's done such a good job. Yeah. And he kind of plays the, um, outside character to the stranger things crew that is already so used to these strange things happening like l having powers like later on at the end of the episode when there's a huge explosion and they're in the middle of nowhere the whole crew is just like acting like everything's normal and he's in the background freaking out because he's like wait are like are there consequences to this wait there's this giant explosion l just killed people like so it's kind of cool because he is someone who is like the audience sort of still reminding us that this is still like wild i didn't even realize that that's good and also he's played by eduardo eduardo franco amazing but also his chemistry with just quickly with charlie he and jonathan byers oh yeah just fantastic top-notch chemistry between those two yeah i didn't realize i mean jonathan has been funny in earlier seasons Mm -hmm. but i love them together like their comedic timing together is so fun and yeah and then so while we're in the car with them uh will gets his best acting scene i think of maybe the the series um in the car oh yes and will and mike are kind of like missing each other on what they feel like is important because they're kind of growing apart we saw in volume one right and that's relatable i mean when you have different interests they haven't seen each other in a long time and will says you know like on the way back when we get l we should stop by vegas she can just like make us rich by doing these like illusions or what would actually be her powers. And we yeah. can play D and D and Nintendo for the rest of our lives. Weird writing for Will. That didn't, did that seem like normal for Will to I you? I don't know. I mean, he's I know the stunted childhood thing was normal to him in terms of what we understand from his like emotional trauma from season one and two. But for him to be like, let's use 11 to make money. I was like, why? That's a little odd. I thought it was also out of character. Yeah. yeah. When I heard it, I thought he was maybe like trying to make light of the situation and felt just like small talk. <laughs> yeah. Let's just, uh, <laughs> that is such a, that, that is such a person who's introverted. who's making small talk <laughs> at a water cooler. <laughs> but I know I actually did think the same thing when we, were, when we were watching it. I was like, that doesn't seem like he would say that. Um, I feel like Dustin would more so like make that joke and right. not really mean it. You're but right. I think they're just trying to really show that maybe Mike and Will are growing apart or mm. I don't know. But anyway, Mike is stressed basically that L won't need him and has this really fun writing quote where uh, he says like one day she's going to realize that I'm just some random nerd that got lucky that Superman landed on his doorstep. And I, I mean, at least Lois Lane was an ace reporter at the Daily Planet, right? Yes. And I, I like that line. I That's great fun. for our past pod for Stranger Things too, because we were making fun of Mike a little bit for not having the Nancy genes of being a good detective. And also at the beginning of uh, the pandemic, we started watching Smallville and we never finished. And that made me realize. Well, just so the listeners are clear, not started watching, re-watching for me. That's my one of my favorite TV shows of all time. <laughs> Smallville, shout out. Tom shout Welling. out. I have not finished it though. So not yeah, shout out to she's me. She's got a lot of surprises <laughs> coming up in season four. I haven't met Lois. I think she's coming. Yeah. But so, so Mike says like, you know, it's stupid given everything that's going on because Elle's in danger. Uh, but he is basically just talking about and confiding in Will uh, that he's afraid of losing her, mm-hmm. which is you know fair um definitely like a 16 year old thing yes exactly i I mean i think they're writing them as teenagers right yeah and but again like i feel like it's this weird thing where mike isn't really checking in on will 
you know, still like he, uh, Mike's whole character arc is just strange in that it has totally shifted from previous seasons. So yeah, they, which we talk about in the, our part one pod. Yeah. I don't know when you want to get into that, but I guess this is a good time to just listeners can like listen to this pod throughout and have us, we're going to bring up Mike a couple times, but just kind of start thinking about this as Mike as a plot device to, I guess, incentivize us to care about Will and what he's going through and also Eleven and what she's going through because that's basically how they use Mike. I don't actually think there's a lot of character building with Mike anymore. They're almost just using him, to, I guess, again, just to incentivize other characters. Yeah, and I was really interested if that was a actor, like a Finn Wolfhard thing where he maybe expressed that he didn't want to be in other seasons because when they did interviews at the beginning of this, I thought that this was the last season because Mike said that this was his last season. He did say that. So maybe there was maybe a disagreement. And so they cut him out of writing. And again, like you said, just use him as a plot device, but I don't know. Um, But anyway, Will nevertheless is a good friend and reassures him. And we get this theme of Mike being the heart, which seems true though, to the story, which is like fair for me. Yeah. And Will shows Mike the painting uh, that, that he made at the beginning of this season of the party fighting a three headed dragon. And I loved them and they're kind of their medieval <laughs> gear. It was so fun. And I was wondering, do you think the actual painting that's in the show, how much do you think like the Duffer brothers could auction that for? Oh my God. I never thought about that. That's such a good question. Because once the show is over, I feel like there's going to be a lot of like crazy collectibles. Maybe we shouldn't air this pod and we should just like <laughs> throw 10 K at them and see what happens. Yeah. They work with big money. The budget for Stranger Things season four was $270 million. So I think we're gonna have to throw up some more money than that. Well, shout out to the real person who painted that because it was a fun painting. Okay. Before we we go into also like Will talking to Mike about Elle, I thought it was so interesting. The coat of arms. I almost wish he put the, he put a heart on Mike's, but I wish he put a coat of arms. Am I saying, is it a coat? A code? I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't but know. But basically it's a symbol that shows like who you are as a, as a person, right? Okay. Or I guess in this situation, a warrior. And I did a quick random Google search and I have three images right here. Okay. So Trey, I'm mm-hmm. going to have you pick a color and I'm going to give you two options for symbols for your code or coat of arms. That's going to be on your shield. I'll tell you what they mean. Are you ready? Okay. Is that what we're explaining to listeners what a coat of arms is? It's code, by the way. It's code? C-O-D-E. Okay. Is it a shield? I think it's basically symbols and like a color that's on your shield. Hopefully we don't sound totally stupid, but that um, would be a representation of whatever your army like my is Patronus. standing for. Okay. Yes. I, I, <laughs> okay. I picked the color green. Wait, I was going to give you options. Okay. Oh, okay. Green. Okay. Yes. So this meaning is hope, joy, and happiness. That's nice. I'll take all those things. Okay. So here's your second um, one to choose from. And again, this is no, not going off of historical accuracy. This is literally a Google image. All right. Uh, So you have the choice between an ant, a bear, a butterfly, candle, castle, a cat, or a dog or an elephant. I want a butterfly. Oh, a butterfly. A soul. Uh, a soul? I got complica- complicated <laughs> feelings re-pick? about souls. Ant, bear, butterfly, candle, castle, cat, dog, or elephant. I don't know why. There's no deeper meaning, but candle is the one that stood out. That is light and life. Okay, so, so far you Dumbledore. have green, hope, joy, happiness, a candle, light, 
and life. I guess it's probably like a green candle. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's your last uh, symbols to choose from. Okay. A flower, a fox, a heart, a lightning bolt, a lion, a snake, a ship, a star, a sun, or a tree. <laughs> I might just stick with the Harry Potter thing here and just go thunderbolt. Thunderbolt power. That's I think it's a lightning bolt, oh. but power. Lightning bolt okay, power. Okay, so you have power, light, life, and joy and happiness. I think that's a good wow. good coat of arms. Yeah, the power yeah. kind of makes it a little bit scary. <laughs> okay, so I chose without looking at the like meanings. Okay. I chose blue, which is truth and loyalty. Nice. And I chose it for Ravenclaw. Okay. And then I chose a lot of Harry Potter shoutouts already. Which is great strength, wit, happiness, or good luck. <laughs> I love how it has all of those. It's like or <laughs> good luck. <laughs> um, and then I chose a tree. Nice. And it just means life. life. Oh, that's yeah. nice. That's good. Wow. These are so positive. Yeah, I know. Well, I don't think there's any negative. No one's going to be like, this is me. I don't know. I was treating this like tarot cards or something. Where I was like <laughs> expecting something terrible. Um, but I wonder what everyone else, all the other Stranger Things characters would have on their shields. I thought it'd be fun. Was there only one shield on the painting? Is that what yeah, it was? It was okay. only, it was only a uh, Mike with the heart and I think he had a crown or something. Gotcha. But yeah. Okay. So back to Stranger Things, back to <laughs> Will. Um, Will says, you know, talking about like how L needs Mike and Will always need Mike. Um, but really we know that Will's talking about Will needing Mike. Yeah. So he says these past few months, She's been so lost without you. It's just she's so different from other people. And when you're different, sometimes you feel like a mistake. But you make her feel like she's not a mistake at all. Like she's better for being different. And that gives her courage to fight on. And if she was mean to you or she seemed like she was pushing you away, it's because she was scared of losing you, just like you're scared of losing her. Elle needs you, Mike, and she always will. And then he starts crying, looking out the window, which was I thought was really good acting. And Jonathan looks back and feels like crushed, yeah. right? That he hasn't been doing enough, that he feels like he can't do anything. Yeah, he's just been getting high and like his brother's been struggling. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, it was a great Jonathan Will scene, mm-hmm. uh, which we get a little bit later too. But I, I just love the return to Jonathan and Will. That's what something I loved from season one was Will, even before he went into the upside down, he was very like confided in Jonathan and it was really nice. Yeah. I got to... I got to say, maybe some people will relate to this, but Rugrats go to, goes to Paris was one of the first movies I ever saw in theater. And I immediately thought of Chucky looking out the window of the airplane. Oh my God. When like the one, the song where he sees his mom in the clouds. I want a mom, mom to make last. it all better. Yeah, that'll last forever. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Cause Will, when he's looking out at the, I don't know what he was looking out at, but when he was looking outside the car, I was like, man, this is giving me some big Chucky vibes. Well, I think he was just turning away to cry cause he didn't want to cry in yes, front of Mike yeah, yeah. or let Mike know that he was saying that from him. Like he didn't feel right, comfortable right, right. enough to do that. He already said like, even when he drew the picture, he was like, 11 made me do it. 11 basically told me what to do. Right. So that was sad too. Also, Mike, how are you not like realizing? I mean, I know it's a kind of a big van, but like <laughs> your friend's like sobbing next to you. Yeah, it's pretty, it must Mike's be kind of Mike's just loud. like, 11 hates me yeah. <laughs> in the corner. Also, we should address in case anybody hasn't listened to our first Stranger Things pod for volume one, that we actually don't believe, I don't think you do any either, right? That will... I mean, what we're supposed to assume is that Will is queer and that apparently some people think that Will is like has a crush on Mike. But the way we've read it is that Will misses his childhood and his connection to Mike. Well, I think so. We, number one, our take from last pod was that Will could do much better than Mike. (laughs) 
And number two, I think that Will has always looked up to Mike as far as like friendship, right? Like mm-hmm. just qualities. Mike is always really kind of headstrong sometimes, which can be bad, but right. a lot of times it's like, let's go do it. And I'm going to dive into this situation head first. Right. And so Will, uh, you know, admires Mike a lot for that. And Mike was like the first one that led the kids to go and try to save Will in season one. Yeah. He was like, I would want people to do this for me. Right. Um, big, you know, uh, difference in Mike season four, but if we're <laughs> going off of the like core friendship of Mike and Will, they basically were the only two friends out of the party that they really showed us confiding in each other right. early on. Like when Will came back from the upside down in season two, after they were, after they were trick or treating, mm-hmm. Mike was talking about how he also feels like he's crazy sometimes, or he has thoughts that make him feel like, or have dark thoughts sometimes. Right. And was able to just tell Will like, Hey, I see you and, and make Will feel seen. And be so, support and comforting, comforting yeah. to him. So I think Will right now, like the, especially in the first part of the season, when he was looking at Mike, I think it was more how I read it was like this longing for connection and friendship that he misses from his childhood that he like traumatically lost a lot of because of the upside down. But also now he's on the other side of the country and like, doesn't really have a lot of friends and and has trouble opening up to people because he's shy. And so Mike was the first person who like, he knows really accepts him. Right. I I thought we would just should just say that because I have heard some criticisms that Mike is like consciously not looking at Will because he doesn't want to have that conversation because Hmm. he thinks Will likes him. And like, I just don't read it that way. I don't think so. I think the only reason really people are going off of this, like Will likes Mike is because at the beginning of the season, uh, volume one we hear 11 write to mike that will has a crush he's making a painting oh yeah but when have we ever trusted 11's like social abilities and that's not a dig on 11 (laughs) it's just that she like grew up in hawkins lab and like doesn't know what a promise she's been socialized for like two years (laughs) so um just the idea of him create you know creating a painting um i i don't know if that's like enough evidence for us to think that he likes mike um romantically and also, I think, again, I just, I think it's worth saying he can do much better than Mike. Mike's just really in his own head <laughs> right now. <laughs> we'll come back to Mike. I have some thoughts. Yeah. Okay. So um, then we go into Nancy telling Hawkins, like the Hawkins kids, Vecna's vision, right? So, right. and I think we're going to get a lot of this in season five, which I thought we were getting in the last episode, but now that they're season five, we'll see all these things she's talking about, right? The giant monster with the gaping mouth. That's how she describes it. And a bunch of other monsters. Oh yeah. I forgot Um, about that. And that's when they also find out that there are four gates. They already knew that, but four chimes. So he needs four kills to go through with his plan. Mm -hmm. And I also had a question about this. Does like the location of the kill matter to Vecna? Like, was he like putting like map coordinates? Was he like, okay, up here in the like North side of Hawkins, like I need all these to match up. That's funny. I don't think so. <laughs> because <laughs> why, why, be that but way. why four kills? Uh, they haven't really talked about what the number four means. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Like yeah. why four, four times, four gates. Okay. Like what does, I guess maybe his lucky number is it's four. season four. Maybe he's a big fan. Whoa. Maybe that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the kids devise a plan, right? To defeat Vecna, but first they have to go get their weapons. And, uh, I love that they also just a side note, 
know they can defeat Vecna because they know Elsa well. Like they're really friends with Elle and they know her powers. So when she travels remotely, they know she goes into a trance like state. So Dustin's like, we're going to attack him in the attic when his physical body's defenseless. And then Steve was like, Steve has a joke. Curie, is that how you say his last name? Yeah, Joe Curie. Has great comedic timing. I'm not even going to try to attempt, but he's he was like defense defenseless. Like, yeah. what about the bats? Yeah. You know, like, it's so funny. <laughs> the way he moved his hands. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's so great. Also, if you watch Joseph Quinn, who plays Eddie Munson, rest in peace, we'll get to it. But Eddie Munson kills that scene. Like, I love it when actors take their small role and make the most of it in the background. Like, he's just having the yeah, funniest facial reactions. Yeah, on the couch. Yeah, on the couch. That's yeah. so good. And then, right, Max insists that she's going to be bait. And then we have this really funny scene of Eddie in the Halloween mask uh, going to steal the car to to go then to the war zone, mm-hmm. um, and which is really messed up that they took this person's home and car. Um, yeah, I think when we after they drove away and they were like, "Come on," and we were like, "That's kind of sad." Yeah, <laughs> like their life was a struggle already. That that's terrible. Yeah, and but I did like seeing the Halloween mask. Yeah, Michael Myers trick or treating. That was really two. cool. It was a fun shout out. And then we have Elle Brenner and Owens back in Fort Nina. And I really kind of like this idea of Elle um, getting the files from Dr. Owens of Vecna's killings. I just kind of like that she was in like this, uh, you know, X-Files or like this vibe of a a TNT show. Like here are all the killings in this. How do they even get those pictures? I was thinking the same thing. I guess they got them from the police Whose job was it to put these photos on these paper with these paper clips? Because these people are like evil. (laughs) Whoever (laughs) whoever decided to use these photos. I mean, they're showing like evidence of the crime. Yeah. It was all their faces, right? Yeah, but it was intense. Um, So, and then we have Eleven, right? Turning the faucet on in her room to see the Hawkins kids, which I thought was really cool. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, because she obviously needs that to focus, but maybe she's done that before. I I haven't caught it. Uh, Yeah. She's used water before. I don't know if in the same way. Has she turned on the faucet? I think maybe. I remember when she was sitting on, uh, in season two or three, I think two, she was sitting on Hopper's like side bed whatever her side room her room at hopper's place and she went to go look at what mike was doing to check on him through her like oh yeah she put visions. the tv static on you're That's right was, okay so she has used things before you're right. right okay cool cool and then so she finds out basically they're going to try to defeat vecna but they're definitely not equipped to do it right mm-hmm. so she wants to go back and this is where we have this fallout with owens and brenner uh, where Owens is like, this is not a prison. She can leave um, if that's what she wants to do. And Brenner's like, she's not ready. And this is where, do you want to like tell us your your prediction I or thought, possible prediction? Yeah. I, I thought, don't know if you have it anymore. Paul Reiser, who plays Sam Owens, does such a good job. We love him. Uh, he's from Aliens. I don't know if you remember him from Aliens, Kels, but also we love Red Oaks. It's a really good show on MTV. Just want to shout Red Oaks out. Yes. Go see Red Oaks. Go yeah. watch that. Amazon Prime, I think. But I thought... Owens was actually trying to like kind of lead uh, Levin into going to see Vecna because he was working with Vecna. I thought that might've been like his human in, if that makes sense, because there was a lot of theories that Peter, I think is, is number one's name in the, I guess, office. In the Creel house? Well, the Creel house, his name is not Peter. What is it? It's, what is it again? Henry? It's Henry Creel. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But I think his name is peter when he's like jamie campbell campbell oh, bowers he's in uh, the uh, hawkins lab yes okay yeah i think his name is peter and then brennan or sorry no owens his actual son his name is peter too and i thought they were going to make a connection there where owens is trying to trick 
like 11 into the upside like down to see danger, Vecna yeah. because Vecna has been like doing the 11 mind thing where he's like been talking to you know his stepdad or his new dad his adopted father and Owens anyways I created like this whole mythology for Owens <laughs> and it ended up not panning out but it did seem very legitimate when Owens was telling Brenner was really pushing yeah he was yeah. really pushing like, she's her own person she can make decisions for herself and I was where like before I, he was like manipulating her to go to this place in exactly the first place. Yeah. and I was like I've seen this story before but nope wrong but nope he's just handcuffed in the bottom of also i hope he's safe because there was that huge explosion and he's still in the fort nina and uh the military you know like group that was hunting l really brutally tortured people in volume one and i just do not want that same fate for owens who i i like um did we ever see what captain sullivan did to that one guy he kept in a box that was really gruesome yeah. i i don't know yeah yeah i hope <laughs> like, he's what? alive and well hopefully I they hope don't do that to owens yeah in, in a hospital recovering um and then we go to the james taylor song where the kids are driving to the war zone the saddest song just mm. yesterday morning nice <laughs> i'm gonna just bring everyone to tears um <laughs> But Steve is telling Nancy right about his his dream to live with six kids traveling the country. And we know, we know that she's in this dream, but he doesn't tell her that. I love and Steve. He points back, he's like, Good thing I've had practice, you know, babysitting all these kids. And there's six kids. I didn't realize there were six kids yeah. until yeah, you pointed that out. I was like, Oh, okay. And something I didn't uh get to talk about last pod, but I watched the adventures of babysitting. Uh, growing up a lot that came out I think in 86 or maybe 87 or something somewhere around there Mm -hmm. Um, but I loved this idea that I'm assuming the Duffer brothers were inspired by like this Steve being the head of adventures of babysitting and and, like saving all the kids anyway um, we go to the Lucas and Max scene where Lucas and and Max kind of continue to talk about about Max and and he's really like checking in on her. Um, and he, you know, wants to find someone else to go into the trance, uh, so that Max isn't put at risk. Right. And I think he's just so, you know, obviously just hurting because he's afraid of losing Max and Max kind of like brings him back. And it's like, we'd be putting a total stranger at risk. Like even if we had time for that. Um, but she says, I know what I'm up against and he only uses my darkest memories against me. Uh, and he only sees the darkness in us. So I'm just going to run in the opposite direction and hide in the light. And that is the snowball. Yeah, I know. I love the snowball. Yeah. And the season two always gets me. Yeah. And I think that the Duffer brothers probably really paid attention to the online love of the snowball. Every too. breath you take. Yeah. I'll do that. Always gets me. <laughs> I always start tearing up when 11 walks in and Mike sees her. I'm like, man, 12 year old nostalgia. This is crazy. <laughs> I, yeah, I think they definitely paid attention and they were like, this is probably one of the happiest moments of our audience watching the show. We're going to bring it back yeah. so that Max can hide in the light. So you can blow up balloons full of blood. Oh my God. That was so <laughs> I don't want to skip ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, that was, I loved that. It was so intense and, and like a fun horror. Um, but yeah, so then the Hawkins group, right. Gets to the war zone. They see Robin, um, or Robin sees Anne with an E. I don't know her actor, actor's name. Um, it's but Amy Beth McNulty. I think she plays Vicky. Is that her name? Vicky? Uh, I don't know. She's I'll in figure, band. I'll figure it out. Okay. But I, I mean, I, I like the, the actor, but 
I just, I wish like we got, would have gotten more scenes with them before this, besides just like the really brief band scene at the beginning of volume one, just because I didn't really feel like they had a lot of chemistry. So I know that a lot of times, like when you have just crushes in high school, you know, maybe there's not a lot of chemistry. It's just kind of like projecting, you know, you, you want to be in a relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's why there's a crush. But ultimately I feel like Robin is more emotionally intelligent than that. And so I wanted like just a little bit more, um, of backstory between Robin and the person that she likes. Vicky. Yeah, Yeah. that's who it is. Um, yeah. Also, we talked about last pod too, that I just don't think they did a good job continuing Robin's arc from season three about being this kind of person who can speak four different languages and is is reluctantly being the smartest person instead of she's like they i think they literally call her a klutz multiple times in this season yeah the they have there. her seem like she's like following along with everyone instead of where before in the ice cream shop it felt like in season three she was like oh let me just do this like task this yeah. like impossible yeah, task yeah, yeah, yeah. you guys what are what are you doing even she though she felt like a ladybird character yeah she something. felt like apathetic but like funny but like super smart and she was gonna solve things mm-hmm. and it, yeah it was a interesting like character shift yeah and then we had jason who looked totally unhinged in the war zone yeah he looked he looked infected yeah you know, by like vecna or something it was yeah, so weird. like a billy vibe yeah true i mean i guess maybe they were making a comment later on because he's so just unhinged and like unwilling to even like listen to lucas or hear reason he's mm-hmm. just so kind of caught up in this what they were trying to do in part one, what, which was hysteria and having him be like kind of the preacher of this uh, town and really like moving them towards um, getting the hellfire club. But so maybe they're just like ma- making it. So he's heightened and heightened as a character right. with this hysteria, but it just ultimately, I felt like, you know, his eyes are red. Well, his whole <laughs> militia that was like with him that were supposed to be hunting oh, yeah. the whole, like uh, the kids, like they just didn't show them again. <laughs> <laughs> they're just, they went outside. They're like, oh, can't find them. It was just like Jason shooting some shit outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we had the Hawkins crew and they're getting ready for battle. B-A-T? Nice. No? Nice. No, that's Dustin. <laughs> that's oh, okay. Like, Dustin made that joke. joke. Good. I was going to Eddie. I was going to yeah. hold that one after the pod. Um, <laughs> And it was so cute to watch Dustin and Eddie like playing around. But this is when I knew that Eddie was not going to survive. Absolutely. When he like held Dustin and he said, Dustin Henderson never change. You know? Yeah. I was like, he's dead for sure. It was improv too. Yeah. Although there were a lot of theories that Dustin was going to die. And I was like, who else is going to lead them through all of this mess? Like who was going to uh, try to get them like facts about the upside down or call Mr. Clark at 11 PM uh, to get all these facts. Right. Uh, and also please return Mr. Clark. We also be Mr. nice Clark. to Steve Dustin. That's something True. I have to say from season one, season four, volume one. You weren't <laughs> nice to Steve. Uh, also quick question, quick cue to throw us off the plot real quick. I'm ready. If they were to, um, take out kill one of the original four cast members for the kids like obviously not including max okay, we'll like get one to of her. the core the core the beginning okay. yeah uh who do you think it's most likely to be because i do i do hear dustin's name a lot but i think the character that makes him the most sense in terms of a full circle story arc maybe this is a little bit of a prediction for season five is will interesting well okay so 
I was going to do this prediction at the end, but um, we do see that Will can feel Vecna. Uh So he's kind of like Harry Potter and that he's connected to Voldemort. Right. The neck touch is like the lightning bolt. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like he, uh, it's interesting because he has basically been talking as Vecna and not knowing it, right? Like he likes it gold. (laughs) 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 Joyce is like, who? Vecna. Yeah. It's like Harry Um, when he's like, look at me. Yeah. In Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. And, and so I, I do think you're right in that Will might get taken over Mm -hmm. by Vecna. I don't think he'll die though. Do you think if you kill Vecna that Will dies? Is there is he like oh. a part of him now? Because that's how Harry is he a Horcrux? Yeah. Oh my god. I don't, don't know. Don't they say at one point again? Not to step on future parts of this, but doesn't Vecna say at one point that, or maybe it's Brenner who explains it? But everybody Vecna kills, he like he kind of implants in them or in their memories or something. Hmm. He like takes over their memories. I don't yeah. know. I thought he said something like that. I don't that. remember that. Maybe that's I, wrong. I don't know. I mean, he does. Everything feels very Voldemort esque about Vecna. Yeah, I mean, he does take his victims. I I'm assuming as like power sources, they're tied up in his house, mm-hmm. you know, in the vines. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're power sources, but I don't know why. Like he seems powerful in the upside down. So yeah, that's again my question. Like, why did he need four kills? Why does he need these kids? Um, what what are they? what's the purpose it has to do with 11 okay yeah. we'll, we'll wait on to so, the five predictions well well i guess i'll just say though really quick i think you think it's going to be will yeah i think that mike makes the most sense just because the only character arc that he has this season is like you're the heart look you're at the top of this like battle line fighting this dragon with mm-hmm. a shield and will's painting yeah and that's literally the only lines that he gets mike besides not liking pineapple on pizza which is not a good look mike right mike has no character in season four i kind of already said that but he really doesn't and that's really just a you know the writers doing that to use him as a vehicle to push i guess will into a darker place and 11 into a more dark place too um which is unfortunate considering he was a really interesting character in seasons one through three so that makes a lot of sense the only thing i have to say that would kind of go against that is that they brought hopper back so if they would have ended up killing hopper and he didn't come back and and 11 kind of already went through that grief and i think she's still kind of going through it until she sees him again and is weirdly normal at the end of the season um i don't really see it would have made a lot of sense for her to lose hopper as a character building and her to have to deal with that and then all of a sudden lose mike but now that she has hopper back i feel like Mike and she Hopper are going to keep, Mike. yeah. Hmm. You're right. I, I did not think about like the effects that the Duffer brothers are obviously going to think about, which is how Eleven is just reacting to her world. Right. Because it, it would have been Hopper or Mike. It'll al- almost be more, I think, sad for more characters than just Eleven if Will dies. Whereas Mike dies, I think it'll be like specifically a few characters like his family and 11 and obviously the crew. But if yeah, Will but he dies, was like the, the head of the party for so long. So I feel like Mike is connected to everyone too. That's true. Honestly, if any of the four kids go, it's just really sad. I just can't see it. I can't see it being Dustin because he ultimately also has like the biggest cry performance besides Will. And they got to, they got to capitalize on that. You're right. Yeah. Um, although Lucas will talk about his performance. Amazing. Yeah. Um, at the end of this. So then we also, as the Hawkins crew is like getting ready for their battle, we have Erica and Lucas and please give us more sibling scenes. I just love sibling scenes in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and Erica's like, even though, you know, you're a bench riding loser, you're still my brother. So yeah, that's awesome. I like <laughs> what really she sweet. said about the knife 
or he did the knife wrong or oh, something. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're like, how's the knife, uh, you know, building going? Oh, Whatever yeah. Eddie says. And he's like, thumbs up. She's like, turn that thumb yeah, upside, upside down. down. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we have Robin and Steve. And here's my prediction for season five. Um, although I think that a lot of people share this prediction. So they said, or Robin said, I have this terrible gnawing feeling that it might not work out for us this time, Yeah. but I guess we have to try. And I think that means that obviously like Robin or Steve are going to die because they need one of them to have the emotional reaction to the other. Interesting. I definitely think they've been hinting at Steve. We, we've already said this in the last pod, but right. hinting at Steve dying for someone. It could be for Robin. Like, you know, maybe he throws himself in front of Robin or something at Vecna. I don't know. But Steve's not making it. I just know. I've already sat with it. He's my favorite character. Why would they play James Taylor in while he's driving? You're right. Why would they give us this six kids story? And why would they give us this Nancy relationship arc that makes no sense except for the fact that they're trying to full circle show how Steve has grown and he's learned from his like past issues and he has this full anti-hero journey and then he gets killed at the end for, you know, trying to save the children or Robin. Yeah, I will say that it felt weirdly more forced in volume one when Steve and Nancy were having this like rekindled idea of of them being together. Like right. Eddie and Robin were really pushing it and uh, being like, you know, this is like the biggest uh, gesture of true love. Her jumping in lovers like after you or um, just mm-hmm. like Robin basically saying like you flinch every time I say Jonathan. Like they're really pushing Steve and, on thick. Yeah. yeah, Nancy together. But I liked kind of these more dialogue scenes where later on in, I think it might be the second episode, but Steve says, you know, like, thank you for like giving me what he calls like a bump on my head or giving me just a moment where I needed to understand that I was going backwards in life and actually like I need to be going forwards. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wish that would have happened before I met you. That was was actually really nice. Like I felt like that dialogue was more successful even than like the six kids. Yeah. He obviously loves Nancy, but they're definitely doing this to give his like character somewhat of a full arc before they kill him. That's what it feels like at least. Yeah. Did you think when he said like you were my dream of the six kids, Mm -hmm. did you think she was going to respond and and be like, yes, let's be together. That's the only thing I can think of. The reason they're not they're not having her respond is because they want... It's more of an effect, an emotional effect, if she never responds and, like, Steve gets killed. Uh, unresolved. Yeah, and then it's kind of like this weird thing between her and Charlie Heaton's character, Jonathan. So. Yeah, which just sucks because I love Jonathan and Nancy together. I feel like they're They've also solid. done Jonathan terribly this season. Well, yeah. I guess we'll get to him, too. Yeah. Okay, so then this, this comes to the end of papa episode eight good why it's called papa the military finds where 11 is at nina camp nina fort nina nina base Mm -hmm. and brenner basically is like hey um i need you to stay you're not ready and 11's like i'm going to leave um and brenner drugs 11 and this is really the final Brenner character arc conversation, I think, where we see Brenner like rationalizing his choices. Mm-hmm. So Brenner tries to just like say, like, I loved all the children in Hawkins lab. Like, that's why I did what I did. And Eleven uh, asked him, do you still love number one or Henry after he killed all those ch- children? And Brenner interestingly says, yes, I-, I cared for him because I knew I failed him which I thought was interesting. Like we're getting these weird, complicated Brenner. I wish vibes. somebody would have just said like, this is abuser talk. Like I thought she was yes. going to say that that was like abuser rhetoric. Yeah. And 11 says that, you know, Brenner um, has been having 11 search for number one, this whole time that they've been in the upside down. Uh, and he kind of 
it, he says like, no, we've been looking for the Soviets mm-hmm. in a way where I think the re- the way that he was probably directed to read that was that he was almost convinced of it. Yes. But obviously knew that he was looking for one. Absolutely. And Eleven said, I came here to see if I was the monster. And now I know the truth. You're the monster. Yeah. And I'm going to open that door to go see Dr. Owens. And if you try to stop me, I will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, she's going to kill him. Right. Um, but actually we see her, right? Like the, you know, once the military comes in, she blows up the helicopter and then Brenner gets shot by the, I guess, I don't know if it's the military, but whoever is hunting, you know, L snaps for that guy. Yeah. Good and, shot. Good three and, shots. And, although he did try to kill L. Um, Actually, but, he's a terrible shot. He took like 12 shots. <laughs> there, his helicopter was also spinning, but, uh, so then, right. Like Brenner gets shot and we see the California crew reunite with L and then we see that Brenner's dying. And this is where I think you're right. Like, uh, especially they really were telling us clearly yeah. that this was a storyline of like abuse and rationalizing that abuse from Brenner's point of view. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought ultimately because Stranger Things is more about character arcs than mm-hmm. it is even about violence or like the, you know, big kill at the end. I thought it was more fitting than L killing him, which I thought was going to happen um, because he says like, you're my family, you're my child. All I ever wanted to do was to protect you and tell me that you understand. Right. And she doesn't tell him. Yeah, so, which is is really amazing that they decided to make that choice. I mean, it's 11, so of course her not talking isn't too surprising. But this show is kind of built on its great dialogue and I guess kind of just quick, you know, smart dialogue. And so the best writing choice there is to have no writing. I thought that was really intelligent. That was great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I, I thought it was more satisfying than I... Because I originally wanted to see L. Don't give him the him satisfaction, yeah. L. Um, Papa sucks. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And then, so L right. California kids are together. And I, I, this is where it makes sense. Volume one. It did not make sense that the California crew and the Hawkins crew were separate. I was yeah. annoyed, but now that L is here, she can tell them I saw the Hawkins crew and they're going to die. Okay. So we got to do something. <laughs> and, um, they're like, wait, what? <laughs> they didn't know have, anything about Vecna. Exactly. Yeah. We have this really cool scene ending episode eight where I am pumped. It's the Hawkins crew and they're getting ready to go into the upside down to, you know, execute their plan and execute Vecna. And a really cool scene where they're going into the it house, which is the Creel house. I just like to call it the it house, but Max, Erica and Lucas are walking in with their lanterns as the sun is going down. So dope. It was really cool. All right. So then that brings us to the piggyback. Okay. Um, so I didn't realize when I don't love the title. Yeah. (laughs) I I guess maybe like was the term piggyback like invented in the eighties. I don't know. I doubt it. I don't know. You told me when watching it, like, or you explained to me this morning why they called it the piggyback and I didn't even pick up on it when I watched. Well, so I think that maybe because 11 learns like very specific terms like promise and ego and like she wouldn't know what like a piggyback is. That's so true. Maybe yeah. they're just like highlighting that she calls things very specific uh-huh. like terms. Yeah. And um, so when they're at the gas station, when she was actually like figuring out what can we do while the California kids were like calling to try to get home to 
to Hawkins, mm-hmm. um, she sees a billboard with these, like this family pointing to the Grand Canyon or what I'm assuming is the Grand Canyon mm-hmm. or wherever it is. They're going on a road a trip. A mountain. And you literally cannot tell. Okay. <laughs> but if you go back and watch, uh, the little girl is like on the mom's back. So mm-hmm. the mom's giving her like a piggyback. And I just did not notice that. And I, I, we were just supposed to think like Elle saw the poster. And I was like, why did she just get that idea from seeing the billboard? And now I realize that the, the like mom was giving her a piggyback, but I don't it, know. It's a weird way to just say, Hey, I really like that one movie by Christopher Nolan called inception. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, a dream within a dream, a memory within a memory. Um, so then she does this really cool thing where she draws on the side of the, you know, dirty van window mm-hmm. and she's like, this is max. And, and you know what I'm wondering is, was that a green screen or was that actually Millie Bobby Brown drawing that? Cause it'd be cool. Oh, interesting. Actually her drawing it with her finger. But so then uh, she draws the stick figure of Max and she sees uh, she draws the like extension. Right. And she says Vecna is going to be in her mind. And she realizes that she can go into um, people's minds like she went into her mom's memories. Mm -hmm. She went into Billy's memories with his mom on the beach. And so she's like, I'm going to piggyback and go inside this mind. I can protect uh, Max from here yeah. and defeat Vecna through yeah. her memories, which was really cool. And you're right. Very inception. And I think I forget we were, um, listening to another pod where someone shouted out the music, uh, being used similar to inception. I didn't pick How up on it's it. not like, it's not obviously their, their favorite song in inception, but they play music to let other people know that they're in a dream. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 And like the van. I forgot about that. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. I, to- I totally forgot about that. And I have to shout out again, these amazing one-liners from Argyle's character. So <laughs> Elle is, you know, talking about how she needs a bath to like really focus. Oh my focus. God, yeah. And so Argyle goes, you know, a mind fight, righteous. And Eleven's <laughs> like, a bathtub would help. And Argyle goes, yeah, gotta be clean to enter the mind. <laughs> so funny. Amazing. And then uh, they go to the surfer boy pizza that's about to close. And he goes, that's okay, my dude. Like, we are not here for your tasty pies. It's okay. You're about to close. You see this weird girl behind me? She needs a tub with a bunch of salt so we can enhance her psychic powers so she can save the world from this super bad dude. He's like, all right, go Taco Bell. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, here's this blunt. Just like hang out outside. And um, then Argyle, also a great taste in pizza. I personally love just like everything possible on my pizza. I know that you feel differently. You like to have specific flavors sometimes. I mean, pineapple is a necessity. So anything pineapple, like jalapeno, I like sweet and spicy. Yeah. Uh, I, I just like like an everything and garlic pizza, like anything that you can fit on there. And we have then in the back, uh, while they're eating pizza, mm-hmm. Jonathan and Will mixing up the bathtub with salt. The tough scene. And this is, yeah, this is the tough scene, which I was surprised because I thought Will did a great performance with his crying earlier in the episode. Yeah. And so maybe it was just like the take that made it off but the actual dialogue like the writing was yeah. really good like, especially jonathan whoever wrote that yeah was great. and he says i feel like you never come to me for help or like just to talk and i know that's probably my fault i've been distant but that has nothing to do with you that has to do with me hiding my own shit and hiding from my problems i miss talking to you i really miss it and i think right now we need to talk more than ever because things are getting complicated and i don't know or I don't want you to forget that I'm here and I'll always be here no matter what, because you're my brother 
and I love you. And there's nothing in this world that will ever change that. And then Will cries, but it's kind of like, I don't know, the acting made me go out of the scene. And that's not a shot at, you know, um, Will's actor, Noah. Schnapp. Yeah, I, I love him. Um, but I just felt like it was really abrupt maybe in the scene because we just went from this like giggling scene outside where they were having like the pizza. So it f- felt kind of abrupt for the conversation. Um, I think it's okay to say it's bad acting. It's just because yeah. I mean, these are, <laughs> yeah. these are like 18, 19 year olds. Like they're not, they haven't really been in any feature films. This is kind of their first thing. I mean, they've had a lot of seasons to do this, but they're playing different. Like he's playing a 16 year old at like 18. I don't know. It's kind of weird uh, for him. I'm sure. But um, I actually would probably blame like more we said at the top, which is kind of the director editor's choice to kind of not get a reshoot on that scene. Cause it definitely looks like even Charlie Heaton looks a little uncomfortable when he's yeah. like delivering the line at the end. Cause how much Noah is like crying. Yeah. It felt like maybe the, the crying happened so quick, mm-hmm. um, that, I, yeah, I think another take would have helped just because I, we know that Will's uh, actor Noah could do it from the car scene. Dude's you know? a good actor. Yeah. He was a really, really good so, actor. So, but, but yeah, I, I agree. And I hope that this is not the end of Will's arc with just like, I, if he's going to come out to Jonathan, um, because I in the writing when he said nothing in this world will ever change that I was hoping that wasn't like their tie like oh now we're you know hinting at Will's sexuality and we're not right. going to go into it like I was like that would be so cheap so yeah I hope they really are able to develop Will's character fully and and show a conversation with either Mike or confiding in Jonathan or Joyce well just like with Robin in season three I feel like they've done a really good job of not necessarily having to tell us that these characters are struggling with um, their identities or their sexuality at large and wanting to feel accepted but not but not wanting to lose themselves or their friends or any kind of like connection to people by being themselves and that kind of like minefield that they have to walk on that nobody else has to and I think they did a they did a great job with Robin doing that when her conversation with Steve in the bathroom stall. Oh yeah, and I'm not really sure if they're ever going to do that with Will. I don't think that they might ever have him come out if that's what's going on. If 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 he is going to talk about his sexuality with other characters, I'm not sure he will. I feel like that's what they've kind of been building towards with all the specific writing, like. Uh, Will earlier on says, you know, that if you're different, you can feel like a mistake. And, um, he talks, uh, I think he talks to Mike in volume one specifically. I forget the conversation. Oh yeah. He says something like it's scariest to talk to people or reveal something about yourself to people who you're closest to, because what if they don't like the truth? Mm-hmm. And I just think they have like enough awareness where they even changed, um, will the detail of will having a birthday after they realize they forgot right. that they have a pulse on what fans are like expecting and talking about what they care about yeah they just they're obviously going in my mind with the writing towards talking about will's sexuality yeah i just don't i know how careful they've been with robin and trying to make sure that she has a character outside of her sexuality mm-hmm. and identity and the way she's characterized that is just they don't want to make like it a, a binary full character exactly yeah. yeah and i know they're going to be really careful like they have been with will to a point where i think some people are like all right you're being too careful now like ha- have the conversation but i almost feel like they're doing it because and the reason why i said he might not tell anyone and, and it kind of goes back to my earlier point i think they might end up having i think he might get killed or might be captured like billy with vecna and maybe only uh you know his brother 
knows why why Vecna was able to capture him, which is that he is dealing with this this trauma of his childhood about and not coming out to his friends because he feels like they're not listening to him or not seeing him. So it's possible that like he doesn't actually get to tell them anything. It's like his brother or the mom has to. Wow, I didn't even think about the idea of um Vecna like why he first like sought out will that will felt like he maybe couldn't talk to anyone or couldn't didn't feel seen by his family and um even though like jonathan was doing a good job of just like talking to him even in season one um but yeah i could totally see vecna getting in his dreams and being like i know your secret or something like that yeah just totally capturing him that'd be so sad if that's what happens i hope that is not what happens but it feels like they have well i mean they did the whole neck thing at the end i feel like they're definitely yeah like he'll be definitely vecna will tap into his like hold on him so will has been cursed like this whole time in, in stranger things and we haven't known yeah just how max is um okay so let's talk about what's happening back at Hawkins. All right. So the kids go into the upside down and we have this great scene where Steve climbs to the other side and like sticks this awesome landing from climbing off the sheet. <laughs> and Robin's like, Ooh, like what does he want us to applaud to Nancy? <laughs> like me and the, on my couch, just applauding for Steve. I'm like, Hey, all right. That's a little when too he did close it, I was like, that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the conversation with Steve to Dustin um, and Eddie about like, don't be a hero. So if some things go south here, like don't like take, you know, one for the team, just like retreat to the right side up of Hawkins. And Eddie's like, don't worry. Do we look like heroes? And in that I was like, oh, shit. piece, yeah, yeah, in that piece, number one, I was like, no, not Eddie. I love Eddie. And number two, I was like, this is a weird idea that they're uh, kind of talking about with heroes. Like heroes have to sacrifice themselves. I didn't know. Yeah, they've been weird with the whole superhero hero thing this whole season. Yeah. Just that word's been thrown around it a lot been clear. kind of problematic hero, ways. Hero, monster, super. Yeah, I don't right. know. Yeah. So uh, anyway, because I feel like a lot of the actual theme of the show is that you are a hero when you're standing up for your friends and you're yeah. really like being a good friend and you're making people feel seen and you're listening to people um, and you're just like sitting with them when right. they're in their dark times. Yeah. So then we have Lucas, Max, Erica in the scary haunted Creel house. Um, and we also have this really cute scene between Lucas and Max. Oh my God. When Erica goes outside, um, to give them the cue and, and Lucas, I think Max writes it first, but she writes hi on yeah. the little note card. Adorable. So cute. And then Lucas asks her to go to the movies. Yeah. Right. Which we love. Relatable. <laughs> the movies was our first date. Yeah. Um, and what was it, gangster squad. Yes, Shout Emma out. Stone, Ryan Gosling. Gosling yeah. <laughs> um, and I have a fun fact for you. Uh oh. Okay, you're gonna love this. So it's spring break, right? We were told that. Oh like, my god, Steve, are you gonna ask me what movie they're gonna see? Well, I'm not gonna ask you. I'm gonna tell unless you want to guess. But <sighs> it's 1986, and yeah. we know it's spring break, so we know it's like a May or April, right? Late May, early April. That's always when spring breaks happen for schools. Okay. Because Steve tells us it's spring break when they're at the war zone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you just want me to tell you what the hit movie in theaters was on May 16th that I'm assuming they went to see? 86. 1986. It's not aliens. It's not, I'm trying to think. Is it the thing? No. What is it? Top Gun. 
Oh my God, it's Top Gun. It's Top Gun. It came into theaters in That's May 16th, 1986, which is so funny because uh, Top Gun Maverick just came out. I'm sure like everyone <laughs> knows. Um, and then also I was what looking up. Great timing for I know. them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A great timing for Tom Cruise. <laughs> um, and also there's a Tom Cruise uh, poster on Nancy's wall. Oh, is it Risky room. Business or in, something? Yeah. Okay. I think in season one. Okay. Or something. Yeah. And then so... Also, other movies that I had to look up the dates for because they also came out in 86, but it's not around spring break time, so it wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. But do you want to know the other movies that were possibilities that Max and Lucas, hopefully if Max um, makes it and comes out of her coma, they can go see later in 86. Okay. Okay. So Pretty in Pink. Nice. Comes out in February. Um, I love this Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Comes out June 11th. So that might be a season five thing. That would be really cool. But I mean, it's 1986 and I love that it happens in June, which I'm assuming was probably a lot of people's like last day or wow. last weeks of school. For That's Paris one of my Bueller's favorite movies ever. And then we have Stand By Me in August. Wait, this is all one year? Yes, all 1986. No wonder please, there's a whole generation cr- of filmmakers. <laughs> if I'm wrong, this was a quick Google search on these. Um, also in June, we have Labyrinth, which I know you didn't yeah. watch a lot, but I did. And we also have... There are no cats in America. <gasps> the American Tale in November. <laughs> and then Aliens. Aliens in ju- did in come July. out there? Wow. Yeah. Okay. In July. So it's not eligible for the spring break. And then finally, they're going to just really be um, woken up to the military uh, propaganda <laughs> Machine. in America uh, from Platoon in December. Oh, okay. Nice. Okay. So I like that. It's like Top Gun. They're like all in. And then by platoon, they're like, we know nothing. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to have a a total awakening um, in 1986. This William Defoe guy, he can act. (laughs) Somebody get him an Oscar. (laughs) I think he lost the Oscar that year. Oh yeah, that's right. Michael Caine. Nominated Michael Caine. Yeah. Okay. Let's get back to Hawkins then. Max starts talking to herself upstairs about how she wishes Billy died and sometimes that she would die. And I wasn't totally convinced that Vecna was like going to come for her that easily. I don't know about you, but ultimately I thought they did it really well because then when Lucas turns to her in judgment, I, I felt like late Lucas wouldn't do this, but also I was kind of buying in. Well, we have seen Lucas do some wild stuff in season one and two, like doubting 11 and stuff. So we've seen him act a little bit like that. A little bit of judgment. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. So maybe it was like a little bit believable. And then when his eyes started to gloss over into like Vecna um, saying, you really think that like you were really going to kill Billy Mm -hmm. and turned really scary and ultimately, though, I realized that Vecna needs Max, right? Like, this is the whole plan. He has to come for her to get these four kills um, for whatever reason, you know, <laughs> the, the four that he decided on. And I hope that maybe if they did say something earlier on, please let us know if we're missing something. Um, but then she goes through the house, the Creel house in the Upside Down. And it's so scary. There's all these like rooms with horror scenes in them. Mm-hmm. Billy's in one room. And I think this is at the point where Eddie plays the metal music. Oh, yeah. And for the bats to come to Dustin and, and Eddie in the Upside Down. So it was like this metal music and Vecna is going through the house behind Max, but you can't really see him. So I, I thought it was like really scary. And Hopper is like going to find, I think, one of the the animals or demogorgons right 
Yeah, I think they had, at this point, they had broken back into the prison. Right. It's kind of notable that I didn't, when I was re-watching the scenes, I literally skipped through all of the scenes with Russia and didn't watch any of them. Um, but yeah, like the Russia crew, right? Joyce Hopper, Murray, and I, I think Enzo, Enzo and Yuri are back with the helicopter thing. Right. But So Hopper, Joyce, and Murray broke back in um, to the prison. Right. It's kind of a mess in Russia. Like, yeah. we haven't really talked about it at all, but Hopper, they sh- like, I love Hopper. I love the character. Love I think him too, yeah. David Harbour is awesome. No surprise there. But Hopper should have died at the end of season three. Like, yeah. this was a mistake. This well, whole Russia side quest. It's cool to watch. Because all the money that's put into it, and Winona Ryder is amazing, and David Harbour is amazing, and um, I'm forgetting who's the third guy. Murray. Murray's amazing, and the guy who plays him, I think it's Brett Gelman. But I'm just not into the whole Russia vibe. Yeah, me neither. It just feels like I think what you were saying before these like rehashing of themes like we already knew that 11 needed hopper we already knew that hopper was working through this idea of him needing joyce and him needing 11 and his daughter dying yeah stuff and so it felt like a lot of like the same emotional points that we had already understood that hopper is growing through and I, I didn't get it, I guess, until um, the only thing that would have made sense if they put more of this idea of finding like the Demogorgons and finding the Russian experiments in the prison yeah. in part one, because then I would have been a little bit more bought in like, oh, they're going to help the kids somehow by, uh, you know, defeating the what Joyce calls the particles that took me till the end of episode two to find yeah. out what she meant. Um, but we're going to try to kill some of the upside down to weak, uh, make Vecna weak so that way the kids can fight him. That was really confusing when they said we're going to help Eleven by killing these Demogorgons and the particles. Well, remember they said when they got the call that all the kids were in danger. And I know, I but how they would they said know? From the upside down. But how would they know that killing those demogorgons would affect vecna well i don't know if they knew vecna but i i think in general maybe if wait i don't know <laughs> yeah that's what we said it when watching we're like how would they know that this would help at all yeah well if you maybe like weaken the vines do you weaken the upside down or the demogorgon i don't know did we get evidence for that in the, in the other seasons maybe, maybe we're tripping we did. We yeah maybe see, i just but... don't remember but anyway so but at least it made me buy in to they were going to help somehow. Um, okay, but, not to take you too off track. So a lot is going on at this point, basically. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so then we have Max and she's going through her memories to try to hide in the light. Mm-hmm. And Elle goes into Max's memories uh, and sees her trick-or-treating, which is nice. I love the trick-or-treating scene. Oh, the Michael Myers mask? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then also meeting Mr. Clark in science class. I thought that was a really awesome shout-out. Shout out, Mr. Clark. Bring back Mr. Clark. We love Mr. Clark. Pay him more. Yes. <laughs> Pay teachers more. And Max hides in the snowball, which we think might work out. Like, I, I think, okay, she's going to be safe until we start seeing the blood balloons pop. And I, did you love that? It was disturbing. That's like, that's like my favorite scene in stranger things that they kind of destroyed. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was very disturbing. You're right. You can't separate now the snowball from this like horror scene. Um, and when this happened, I was like, is this from another movie? Mm -hmm. It right. Oh, is it, is it in the movie? It? Well, I know the balloons are like the balloons popping with blood. Yes. Okay. 
That's were, you th- cool. were you thinking of something else? No, no, I just didn't know. I didn't know it was from that. Maybe yeah, I, I don't was think thinking Carrie just because of the the gym, the like, gym vibe. Thing. Yeah, yeah, but I think the balloons popping with blood is in all the it movies. Hmm. Also, just before we leave Max's light memory, I want to shout out the powdered donuts that she really remembered <laughs> on the table there. Kelsey because noted they this so quickly. Amazing, and I had never wanted a powdered donut more because it's to me like the most boring flavor of donut. But yeah, I would like to shout out the marshmallows next to them. Okay, that's fine. Trey said, no, the marshmallows look good too. Listen, if you didn't see the scene, which I didn't until the rewatch this morning, (laughs) there were marshmallows dipped in this like glitter sugar um, that I thought there were cake pops, but they're not having cake cake pops in 1986 um but there were marshmallows dipped the technology's in too good now sugar. yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's why we have them <laughs> and trey said those look good yuck okay who's move just on. eating Leave a regular alone. marshmallow you just have one marshmallow the do you marsh- also like peeps my marshmallow listeners know what's good do you also like peeps okay we can move on leave my marshmallow Wait, I, interest I have alone to know this. yeah my family used to microwave peeps Oh, okay. Well, just that's on fun. a random Saturday. Warm marshmallows are very different than cold marshmallows. Some of these listeners might have families that used to like, you know, it'd be a Saturday night and one of your family members would be like, let's hit the CVS up and get some treats. And like peeps would always be a thing in my house. Interesting. Okay. Uh, cold marshmallows make me feel nauseous. Warm marshmallows is different. I think of s'mores. All okay. right, moving on. I'm normal here. So, <laughs> and then Vecna comes in to the the dance to the snowball okay now we can never erase vecna from the snowball so they really did just like ruin our favorite memory too of stranger things yeah and l is now in this mind fight yeah and she throws vecna with her powers i just did it with my hand right um and she throws him into the bleachers but she ultimately fails and 11 is then tied on the door in the upside down creel house basically watching as mm-hmm. he's going to kill max and do we want to talk about how uh 11 has the fit change because she kind of has like a whole millie bobby brown vibe going from this point on yeah it was so interesting um like just seeing the acting yeah, yeah because it, it does feel like at some point she's acting like millie bobby brown and at some point she's acting like 11 who just learned what uh, the term like piggyback meant yeah. or promise or it, ego so yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. I could feel like the Gen Z like vibe coming out. Like I don't know what that was, but maybe it's her becoming like independent. And they're telling yeah. her like you now you're you you're more confident in yourself. Like I think is this around the time Mike says I love you? I think that's coming up or whatever. But she does start to act. There's just a different vibe going. Yeah, there's. I think when she's talking to Vecna, it probably is hard to deliver those lines in what we would supposed to be I guess where we would see 11 as with the very um, like segmented words and sentences so and have it deliver but I I do agree just because we haven't seen Millie Bobby Brown really act that much besides just 11 like saying singular words um, or saying awkward sounding sentences that when she talked it was just literally like Millie Bobby Brown and yeah, I like, felt a big Gen Z vibe from 11 yes. you're right what yeah. what is what does she say to him when she walks up to him at the snowball does she says like hey or something like that yeah I for I forgot it was something and she like she throws abrupt. him across yeah yeah it, it didn't feel hey as 86 yeah, yeah. and then she tries to level with Vecna when she's tied up by the vine. She's like, hey, just a little FYI, Henry, Papa's dead. 
and you and I are different, but you're not a monster. And he's like, yeah, uh, look around 11. Like you see that <laughs> old classmate of yours contorted, tied up next to you. Like I am, I'm a monster. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a evil. bad person. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, and I'm okay with that. Um, Just but- in case you weren't clear, you're in my hell. <laughs> like- <laughs> and Vecna tells 11 that she did this, like really putting on this idea of guilt that I think Eleven's going to be dealing with in season five. Yeah. Vecna says, I became this explorer. He finds the particles, which I'm now calling that because I feel like it's now Stranger Things vocabulary, but it's just the mind flare, which then he makes into a spider and it reveals what he's been drawing as a little kid in the Creel house all this time. And he found his way to become a predator and what he says he was always born to be. And we learn that all the previous seasons, the mind flare, the vines, the, uh, well, not the Demogorgons because the Demogorgons are like their own Prometheus alien living in this hell world. Yeah. They're interesting. But Vecna is immortal. And he says to Eleven, you freed me. And I think this is here where I think it's ironic that we brought up Michael Caine earlier, but some men just want to watch the world burn as we've learned from Alfred. Um, damn. And that was, it was a really good scene. I think for 11 to think about like, they, they are not similar like Vecna and her and Vecna says you and your friends think you won, but this is only the beginning of the end. You've already lost. And Vecna lifts Max into the air, breaks all of her limbs. What I think maybe like blinds her just really intense. And at this point I thought that Max is definitely dead because why would they break all her limbs? Like that just seems hard to watch her. Yeah. And then Eddie is getting, you know, eaten by these bats and we see Lucas getting beat up, which was really tough by By the psycho. Yeah. Jason. And Elle says, no, you have like you've lost. And then we have this whole montage, the upkick of the Kate Bush song, Robin, Nancy, Steve throwing like flames at Vecna in his spiderweb body in the attic of the upside down hopper slicing off the limbs of the Demogorgon nice. in the, Russia with the sword, <laughs> Lucas trying to keep Max alive. And, um, you know, I think just like basically knocking out Jason, yeah. um, and, and holding Max. And then Robin throws that last flame and Nancy is shotgunning Vecna. Yeah. And Vecna gets blown out of the attic, hits the roof, lands outside the Creel house in the upside down. And when they come out, he is not there. Shout out Halloween, Michael Myers. Yeah. I didn't realize that was a shout out until you you told me. Yeah, John Carpenter. Yeah. Trey actually just went to see Halloween in theaters. Oh recently. my God. Y'all never saw it on the big screen. It came out way before my time, but geez, if you can go see that in a theater near you. And then Eddie dies in Dustin's arms. Tragic. Horrible. I was just in shock because I felt like they were going to keep Eddie. But it may have been a situation where they didn't realize how much people would love Eddie. Yeah. Uh, and th- they could have kept him around and like been an all-time fan favorite. But we had the like classic Stranger Things music playing. And uh, then we cut to Max and Lucas's arm after we learned that Eddie died. Mm-hmm. And so I think, okay, Max is probably dead and I'm crying at this point, just like I, it was so tragic because Max was saying like, I don't want to die. I'm so scared. I can't see anything. I can't feel anything. When she said, I can't feel anything. I was done. Yeah, yeah. I was crying. And then we hear the chime in the upside down, Steve, Robin and Nancy mm-hmm. 
hear that fourth chime and they're like, okay, that means Max is dead. So she did die. And the portal opens up, kills Jason by Jason and 11 brings her back from the dead. Yeah. So what does that mean for the upside down? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, don't like, did she bring her back from the dead? So now she's in a vegetative state or like in a coma and then maybe in a going to be in that state after she, Oh, so now does Max live in the upside down? Well, she went to the upside down like Eleven did to go look for her when she came to visit her in the hospital and didn't see her. Oh yeah, in the or not the upside where, down, but like went she into travels, her. She goes into in her brain dark. and her memories, yeah. and she had none, so her brain wasn't active. At least mm. that's what we're supposed to think. So she might have just like kept her body phys- like physically alive. I don't know. I feel like at this point, I wish they would have just killed Max. Yeah, because. I don't know, like maybe they'll, they will, um, make her not wake up in season five and that will be really sad, but I just almost wish they kind of went for it. Even though I want Max alive, she's one of my favorite characters. She's my Netflix profile. Obviously. Yeah. But I think thematically, I guess this is one thing they've kind of kept throughout is that she does say that she didn't want to live. She talks about how she, how she was thinking about like wanting Billy to die and then talked about her thoughts of suicide and what we're supposed to assume is that these kids who are being killed by Vecna, the metaphor is that they're dying of suicide. And I, I guess Max, it was a failed suicide, I guess, is the, is the metaphor there. Because she actually wants to live. So that's what makes it all the more sad. And so hopefully yeah. next season we actually do get a little bit more context. Because if we don't and she is in this coma or in a vegetative state afterwards, hopefully not then I, I would I agree with you that I think it, it would have been feel more like a full, full circle arc of Max's character. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have the California kids who come back and it's cool because at this point they have different pieces of the puzzle. It took a long time to get here. Okay. We were like, when are they going to come back to Hawkins? But I think we'll see them tell each other more in season five, which will be cool. The only thing here, everyone is the two day jump or two day time. This jump. This is the two day time jump. This is BS y'all. Who? It, uh, is talking about Eddie. No one. No one is talking about Eddie. Who is mourning Eddie? No one besides, I mean, his uncle and Dustin. And Dustin. But it doesn't make any sense because he got close to Nancy, Rob, and Robin, and Steve. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And he's close with Mike. They were in Dungeons and Dragons and Erica. They all played together. Yeah. And Lucas, because Lucas was in the yeah, Hellfire Club Yeah, Lucas is in Hellfire too. too. Yeah. It just totally, I mean, again, there may have been editing and, and things taken in and out, but... In season five, they have to address Eddie's death as a collective, like friendship group, yeah. because it's just so out of character for them anyway. It's not only does it not make sense, but yeah, but it doesn't make sense for their characters and that they wouldn't care. Like they all loved Eddie. They were literally going out of their way to one, make sure that people were not uh, for Dustin and, and the Hellfire Club, like to say that Eddie was not committing these murders that were happening because of Vecna earlier on in the season. Mm -hmm. And then also Steve, Nancy, Robin, Robin. we're going to obviously save the, you know, the town, but also they were doing it for Eddie because Eddie was wrongfully accused. And there was this like idea of hysteria that never really came full circle. And now Eddie's just seen as a murderer in Hawkins. Yeah. How did they mess that up that bad? I don't know. Do you think they killed Eddie a lot quicker and then they saw the, the love from fans and they just kind of change something. It is possible. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just weird that Dustin's the only person who cares. So 
I don't know. I thought that was the the biggest like gap. Gaten uh, in... Matarazzo does a really good job acting though. Yeah. Uh, for the talking to the uncle, like that was really impressive. Agreed. Yeah, I didn't know he had that those like crying chops. Also, we didn't shout out Caleb McLaughlin like Lucas for when he like screams out for Erica when he's oh holding my. Max. But oh the, my god. I was yeah. that's probably the scene I cried the most at. Like when he the Me camera too. when he turns to the camera at the stairs where Erica just ran down and he's like hurry or like get help or whatever and he like kind of his voice like cracks a little i was like oh my this was like really traumatic like very traumatic yeah i was definitely i was crying at obviously like max but 11 and especially lucas's reaction yeah Yeah, it was it was really good acting um which you always get nervous i think with like younger actors Mm -hmm. if especially in really intense scenes that it could take you out but yeah lucas's uh, what's his actor's name caleb mclaughlin oh yeah um awesome so then uh they're going to cop to hopper's cabin i love how i said copper's cabin because we say that will byers is bill wires and they're going <laughs> to the the camp byers 4.0 okay nice and season four volume two and will says that you know he can feel number one feel vecna He's hurt, but he's still alive and he's going to come for everything and we have to kill him. So very high Harry Potter vibes, like we were saying earlier in the pod. Right. And Max is in the hospital and Lucas is reading to her. I think a Stephen King book. Mm-hmm. I didn't look at which one it was. And then we find out that a lot in this, these last couple like minutes or last 20 minutes where Eleven finds out Hopper's alive. It was kind of a weird meeting where she was like, I knew this, but we didn't really see that she knew that Hopper was alive earlier. So I was kind of confused and that scene all felt like an after shoot, like post-production. Yeah. Yeah. And then Hawkins has like a quote unquote earthquake, you know, the gates to hell open up, everyone's leaving Hawkins Mm -hmm. and we have all of these like major portals, right. That we already saw before, um, just open. And when we saw the vines on the side of the, the buildings, like Mm -hmm. the library, it kind of reminded me of Korra when the spirit world came in. Nice. When you said vines, I literally thought of Korra weird. Good call. And, uh, so anyway, but this is more like hell, you know, (laughs) than the, the spirit world is not. And Jason gets sliced in half with it. Wait, what? Jason. The character. Oh, Jason. Yeah. 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 That was before when they opened up. Yeah. But so then Hawkins, right. Has this like death creeping in on it. And we see the ash falling. People think it's snow. They don't know what it is. And the flowers in the field that the characters are standing in 11, Mike, Will, Nancy, Jonathan, Hopper, and Joyce. Mm Mm-hmm they have like one life side and one death side. And they realize that the upside down is actually creeping in to Hawkins. Yeah. And this is where we leave with this huge, like swell of music on the side of this hill where they once like hung out in season three, I think when they're all growing up and doing the telescope thing and, um, and just hanging out. I so, actually think, yeah, Mike and 11, like when, when they were like first started dating, they were like running through that area at one point. Yeah. That was when, that I, I don't know it was a big scene i remember they were talking to susie three. dustin was yeah. talking to susie or he was something trying to get yeah. in contact with susie with that that uh satellite yeah yeah but so that's where we left off and i don't 
really, I didn't love the ending. It felt stretched out for me. I felt like they could have maybe capped it in, in season four, but mm. I understand like I, I want more, you know, season five, I want more stranger things and characters, but it did feel a little bit extended. And especially in the Russian plots for overall volume two, uh, just felt like a lot of places where they could have just cut. I didn't need it. Right. It sounds like Netflix gave them a huge budget, like more than they even asked for. And they were trying to use as much of it as they could. Um, Fair. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they'll probably get that in season five as well. So I'm really excited for season five. The only thing I have a question about, like just in terms of a small critique, not even a critique, but just for fun, like an exercise to think about how much of this writing from the Duffer brothers was a recontextualization of the upside down being this kind of like, almost like this, these like levels the kids are getting through until they meet Vecna. How much do you think that was like re like written after the fact, or do you think that was planned from the top? Like, do you think in what season do you mean one, the levels like being introduced to the demigorgons being the worst guy. Oh, and then I the, see. the how, mind flayer. How much do they really have the end and then goal in Billy mind of is being Vecna? Yeah. Okay. And then from like season one, were they really intentionally having all that? I don't, that's a great question. I think maybe because they try to connect all the dots yeah by saying that they're all connected right they had the flashback with billy saying like he's ready for you to l and and that they've always been trying to get l like they the vines are pulling her up specifically Mm -hmm. so i feel like they had to especially in season three be aware but also in season two when will says he likes it cold like in that bath scene yeah they may have been aware that they at one point want to at least make it a human or some sort of uh, conscious being mm-hmm. in the upside down that's controlling things. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know about season one though. Maybe. Gotcha. Do you think that the four openings to the upside down that are now open, do you think those are to four different portals to different parts of the upside down or different types of upside downs or different universes? Like, are they multiverses? Like, is that what's going on? I also thought this too. Like, is the upside down only the one other dimension yeah like is is that like you're saying are those openings to other hells or like yeah because the one that they introduced vecna into like when one first gets sent down there wherever that is to that area with the demigorgons yeah it doesn't look the same and he sees the mind flare and the particles it doesn't look at all like the upside down yeah it's like yellow and so either he created the upside down which doesn't seem likely or there's different well, no, dimensions I think, I think he said i was an explorer yeah, he so, explored, but did he? There end were up vines finding? there. There were demogorgons. He saw the mind flare. I think it was telling us that he shaped the upside down into what it was. Like it, it's red, like Vecna, okay. um, the lightning. But also, you could be right. There could be another dimension because ultimately, Nancy says in v- Vecna's vision that he gave her there were a bunch of monsters. There was one with like a gaping mouth, which I think is the the particles or the mind flare. Gotcha. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of my, I don't really have a lot of predictions outside of maybe the will stuff and like being connected to Vecna. I think time might play a big part in this next season. People have been theorizing that for this season because uh, Eleven now has her, her powers are kind of, I guess, expanding to bring people back from the dead. You mean? Yeah. Now she can bring people back from the dead. And there was a lot of clock imagery. Yeah. And I think I think what they're trying to say is you can have, they're trying to do this like weird thing, which is cool, but they're basically saying you can have as much power as you believe you can have. Like you can be your, like you can fly 
like to 11 11 you can fly yeah you're basically able to do whatever you want to do if you put your mind to it which sure but if if she can bring people back from the dead then i wouldn't be surprised if she can turn back time and we get like a days of future past remember the x-men movie after Mm -hmm. first class where like all the x-men characters get killed spoiler alert and then they go back and in time to fix that to make sure that doesn't happen right um sort of i just kind of ruined that plot but like that's basically what happens it would be kind of interesting if 11 loses some main characters in season five and i definitely think they'll be killing off some main people but it would be interesting to see if she could turn back time like if she could change things yeah i don't know though that seems i know that a lot of people thought that because of the grandfather clock right but i just i can't see that like being a a power that she has i mean maybe maybe you're right like nothing's really off limits she just brought someone back from the dead so i don't know what i'm saying but it just didn't feel like somewhere where they were going my biggest thing is like they might have to do that because these actors are going to be so old by the time they are shooting it so maybe you're right maybe they literally are that's a way they could go around these characters aging where they have to go back to you know a certain time to undo something it would be cool if they started off like literally like days of future past where like steve's dead robin's dead dustin's dead and it's just like lucas and 11 and joyce and like it's just them and like there's no everyone else is dead and they're like hiding in a building away from vecna and the demogorgons that'd be crazy yeah i was gonna say it's steve with the six kids and with nancy oh yeah and everyone everyone (laughs) else is perished yeah I, I do think that'd be really cool. I don't know what the purpose would be. I think the only thing I could see is if Eleven goes back in time to make sure Papa never gets one. Hmm. Okay. If that makes I sense. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is very X-Men. Yeah. Well, they've been very X-Men. Like everything is kind of, I think their biggest inspiration for Stranger Things in the 80s is X-Men. I guess that's true. I I definitely lost pod said that one was giving me both Voldemort, but semi Magneto vibes just because he was talking about people wanting to take their powers. Right. Well, also X-Men is about like mutants are kind of a stand in for marginalized people and people who have been othered by mainstream society. And so Will and like number one and 11, all the kids were supposed to assume are marginalized in some type of way in their identity by society at large. And so X-Men is playing a huge part in the way that this story has been written and they definitely are like drawing a lot from it. Like Nina even is like Cerebro, Cerebro oh, a little true. bit. Yeah. So it would be really cool if they decide to do the time part. I just think they have to do something with, with Eleven's powers because they can't just have her bring people back from the dead like and the, her just become a MacGuffin. I'd be so pissed about that. Like I hate when superhero content does that like there has to be some kind of rules to the characters right and then they never use the time turner again in like harry potter so (laughs) yeah i i agree and i think i'm really interested i didn't even think about it until i just said it the age like how are they gonna do stranger things everyone's gonna be cgi'd yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah like steve is legitimately gonna have like like Joe Curie will have children the next time they shoot Stranger Things. Because he's 30? He's 30, I think. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, wait. He's he's our age. I think it's, really? I think it's the other one. Eddie is 30. Well, he's he's dead in the, in the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace. Wait. I just looked up someone wrong. Joe like- <laughs> Curie. Let's see. Everyone loves this. This is good content. Joe Curie is tw- 30. You're right. He's 30 okay. years old. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. So he'll probably be 33 by the time we next see season five. We'll be 30. Wild. Whoa. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> Listeners are going on a ride with us right now. <laughs> okay. So I think those are our predictions for season five before uh, we obviously watch season five. We'll probably drop some predictions as we have a long time to think about it. And I'm really excited before whenever that time is to rewatch all the seasons. And if you haven't done that, there's so much like just text and Mm -hmm. like origins of the characters in those previous seasons. And not only that, they're just awesome. Like I would really recommend going to rewatch them if you haven't thought about doing that yet. Season one of stranger things is one of the best opening seasons of any show I've ever seen. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's excellent. Yeah. The Demogorgon. Um, when they also, that's something I didn't bring up in the pod, but when they play the Dungeons and Dragons game, the Demogorgon is the villain. And Mm -hmm. then in season four, volume one, Vecna is the, the villain. villain. And it was cool because I went back to watch that game before oh. we did this podcast. And the first roll that they roll is 11. Nice. To take out Vecna, they lose. I don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons. Did so Eddie say anything that me. matched? He said something like, um, like, don't try to be heroes. Oh. So there was a lot of like big hero vibes. Okay, so they connected that. Yeah. Eddie, Eddie ultimately dies because which we didn't talk about, but he he doesn't want to not be a hero. He's like, I didn't run away, did I? And that's where I ultimately was like, what? Eddie was so cool. And was he uh, running away or maybe not standing up for people um, or himself throughout this story? Yes. But mm-hmm. does he need to die to prove himself? I don't think so. I love Eddie. Well, I'm fine with him dying. It's just the way he died. We didn't really talk about this. You're right. But like he turns around and he's like this is like my time basically but it was like wait what aren't you just like watching the bats and so that everybody else can do their thing like can't you just like go inside one of the trailers and chill well okay so on rewatch i didn't realize how much in their plan uh nancy highlighted the need of the bats to be away from vecna's house because ultimately they're flying through the house and they would never be able to kill vecna if the bats were in the house yeah but it was not clear enough because it ultimately seemed like it was eddie just trying to stamp himself as a hero from the writing Mm -hmm. um and felt just strange because it didn't feel like a deserved death where he was actually like saving someone directly or um so it felt weird um and not like his death mattered as much yeah i think it's just a problem with sacrifices in general because i i tend to really like deeply love or love's a weird word but i appreciate a character's arc if they're sacrificed in a moment like if, if one of the bats were trying to kill dustin in a moment and eddie like jumped in front of dustin and got killed in that way that makes a lot of sense to me but like a character kind of going out of their way to sacrifice themselves is like a really odd concept like in real yeah. life that doesn't <laughs> that's not really something that, that yeah because ultimately a sacrifice is to build a connection to another character and ultimately it's like a character connection moment or theme that is being developed but also i think most importantly it's like reactionary yes but i don't know if eddie's was reactionary it felt like it was like i'm going to jump into this death like yeah. i'm going to stand in the middle of all these bats so I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, Eddie's actor also um, w- did a great job in, in his scene with Dustin. And so did Dustin. Um, but ultimately, Joseph I Quinn. want Eddie. And he tricked us all. He tweeted, I hope they bring me back for season five. Which oh, Kelsey. What? Time. 
time. They could bring him back. Maybe he knows something we don't. I don't know. I would love that. I would love to see Eddie. That's our final. I think that's my final prediction. If you, if you don't have any, is the is the time prediction? I can't see it, but I hope I'm proved wrong just so I can see Eddie again. Okay, so this is Stranger Things Volume Two, and I guess we'll just be waiting for season five. Don't forget, y'all. We appreciate you listening, but please follow us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. Review us on Apple. Let us know what is your favorite season of Stranger Things and why. Bye. Peace. <laughs>